When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up, y'all? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Make sure you use the code DNVR when you sign up. It is late night, Monday night, so a little bit delayed on this. I apologize for that. I've had some issues with my internet and Comcast. Our DVR didn't work, and so I couldn't rewatch the Utah State game until today, and it's just been a whole hassle. Uh, the Broncos just blew a another frustrating game so it's it's been a it's been a crappy couple of days to be quite honest but honestly after re-watching this Utah State game I actually feel better than I did on Saturday night this was one that the Rams should have won just point blank period it, it slipped away from them more so than Utah State beat CSU I kind of felt like the, the Rams beat themselves in this one which stinks but that happens occasionally uh, that said, there are some positive takeaways, and I do feel like this team is close. Definitely need Clay Millen back. Hopefully they can get him uh, for the Hawaii matchup. Norvell said during the press conference today that Millen was back in practice, so we'll see what happens these next couple of days. Uh, if he can go, I would assume he would. Probably don't want to risk anything if he you know, still feels pain, but it's, uh, it's really clear that this offense is just stagnant without him. Before we get into the Utah State game, and then I'll do some other Week 7 takeaways from the Mountain West, the rest of college football. But the wait is over, NBA fans. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out, though. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. If you couldn't tell by my mood in the uh, the intro, I'm a little bit over the NFL right now. More specifically, my Broncos will always love them, but God, they make it hard. Um, but, I mean, the Nuggets are legitimate title contenders this year, and whether you want to bet on MPJ to be comeback player of the year, maybe Malone to be coach of the year if the Nuggets win the West, Jokic to 3P as MVP. There's no better place to do it than with our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Make any $5 bet this week. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Cool, cool, cool. Let's get into it. Probably going to be a little bit shorter of a pod than I would usually do just because, like I said, I'm a little bit late getting this one out. I do apologize. It's been chaotic. It's certainly not the way I would have planned it. Um, but as far as this one goes, the the thing I wrote about, you know, post game that was really frustrating was just the penalties, you know, really undisciplined in that regard. 10 penalties for 90 yards in this one. And you know, what's worse than the the penalties itself was the timing of them. It just felt like every defensive penalty was on third down. 
when he should have been getting off the field and, you know, every offensive penalty, it's like first down and you're set up and now all of a sudden you're behind the sticks. A couple of holding calls, which, you know, that's going to be part of it. You can live with that. But the procedural stuff just makes you want to pull your hair out, you know, the false starts and and stuff like that. And I get that they've had like so little roster cohesion from week to week. And, you know, it's it's just been wonky in general. I get that there's a lot of young guys out there. But, I mean, you can't be messing up the snap count at this stage of the season. You're just, you know, you're, you're really killing yourself. You're shooting yourself in the foot when you're already in a difficult spot, as is with your third quarterback of the year. From a coach's perspective, you know, I can live with holding if the offensive lineman's just trying to protect the quarterback. I can live with a pass interference if it's the only, you know, option between, you know, preventing the receiver from scoring a touchdown. You can live with an unnecessary roughness where a guy maybe goes a little bit too hard, but he's, you know, playing well. And, you know, as long as it's not like a cheap shot or something dumb, you know, it, if you get one just from playing hard, you can live with that. But the procedural stuff, false starts and just mental lapses, you know, that, that'll drive a coach crazy. And that's the fastest way to reduce your playing time as a, as a player. But it was just a consistent issue all night long on offense so many times, you know, they were in third and 15, third and 20, and that's just not a good spot to be in when, you know, let's face it, the offense hasn't exactly been thriving this year. Making his first start at quarterback, Giles Pooler finished 11 of 32 for 144 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Only completed 34% of his passes. That's, you know, about half of where you need to be in an offense like the Air Raid. That said, I don't want to throw him under the bus or anything like that because I felt like his decision making was solid. He was a lot more, you know, confident in the the pocket. You know, he wasn't throwing off his back foot mechanically. He was sound, did miss a couple of throws, you know, missed a couple of key ones, should have had a touchdown at one point to uh Justice uh, Ross Simmons, spiked another ball on third down. I don't remember who that one was to. And then there were just a, a lot of drops, you know, five or six drops, a couple of uncharacteristic ones from Torrey Horton tonight, balls he got his hands on and probably typically would bring down. Not the easiest catches. There were, you know, some drops by other guys as well that were a little bit easier. But I thought Norvell said it best post game. He was actually talking about penalties, but you could, you know, apply this to, to drops too. Is They're just a team that, you know, does not have a large margin for error right now. And in a tight game, you know, a four-point game, there were just countless, countless mistakes that were were unnecessary from CSU's perspective. You know, false starts and drops. That stuff all adds up over time, you know, in a four-quarter game, especially when, you know, you're playing an explosive team like Utah State, which, you know, again, coming back to you, you probably should have won this one considering they were to their fourth quarterback of the year in Bishop Davenport, third of the night after uh, Williams and Legas both went down. He he brought, he was definitely dynamic. I mean, he was looking to run. I almost wish Levi Williams would have just stayed in. He he ran well, but he just kept trying to throw deep all the time. But Davenport came in. He was only three and nine through the air, but he did make a couple of nice throws. Ran the ball 11 times for 29 yards. And they got just enough out of a really talented back and Calvin Tyler Jr. experienced guy transferred over from Oregon State a couple of years ago, been their lead back ever since. 24 carries, 129 yards in this one, 5.4 yards a pop. A lot of that came late in the game 
when the uh, defense was pretty gassed, so that makes sense. But it was just a game where the offense could not get in any type of consistent rhythm. You know, they kept setting themselves back with penalties initially, you know, drops, uh, missed throws, you know, and it all added up. They ran the ball pretty well with Avery Morrow again, 27 attempts, 116 yards, first rushing touchdown of the season. There we go. And it was an awesome run. I mean, went full on Marshawn Lynch beast mode, you know, breaking several tackles on his way to the end zone. Get off me, child's play. Also encouraging that Lewis Brown had four catches for 52 yards, a couple catches for Arkin. But then again, you know, no catches for Torrey Horton in this one. They obviously tried to target him, but you're not going to be very successful if you can't get the football to your best player. And Jay Norvell talked about that post game. Now, clearly, you know, Torrey is going to get a ton of attention from the opposing defenses, especially after his hot start. I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're looking at it you're looking at the numbers and you're looking at the tape, you're like, really, you know, this is the only guy that's beat anybody consistently on the outside. So he's getting a ton of double teams. And that's a, that's a hard spot, especially when you don't have your starting quarterback, you don't have as much chemistry established and you can't go as deep in your playbook. But moving forward, you know, assuming that he's healthy there, hopefully, you know, shouldn't be any more games in which Horton doesn't finish with a catch because you're not going to be successful if that's the case. You know, hopefully... You can continue to run the ball well, continue to, you know, protect the the quarterback better. CSU did give up three sacks tonight, but it, it, it was better. You know, it's been better these last couple of weeks. Not perfect, but better. You just, you got to hopefully get Clay Millen back because we just, we haven't seen this passing offense be able to get in any type of rhythm now, essentially for 10 consecutive quarters. And that's behind an offensive line that's, you know, been better than what Millen was able to get in those first couple of games. And granted, you know, he had a couple of more experienced receivers out there, but, you know, he's completing north of 70% of his passes. It's been a it's been a drastic drop off since he went out. If you had any questions about there potentially being a quarterback controversy, there isn't one. I know Braden made, you know, an, a nice throw for a, a touchdown in that Sac State game. He also was able to lead the offense down the field. I like that. But at this point, you know, and again, we're not trying to be hypercritical of these these other freshman QBs. They had to play in tough spots. They played admirably, all things considered. But clearly, Clay gives this team the best opportunity to be successful. And I mean, that makes sense, right? He's been in the system a full year longer. He's got a ton of talent. They're all talented. Again, you know, it's not to say that the other guys, you know, couldn't be capable. Millen is unquestionably the guy, though. So hopefully, you know, they can get him back on Saturday. They desperately need him. You know, this is a winnable game against Hawaii at this point. I mean, it, God, it, it just, it sucks that they couldn't find a way to win the Utah State game because then you're sitting there at two and four with a chance to go three and four, you know, three and oh in conference. And then, you know, albeit kind of fluky, you have a legitimate shot to make a run in the Mountain West at that point. Now, you know, you need to go 5-1 and one in order to make a bowl game. Not impossible, but certainly not likely. But you at least have a shot, you know. Instead, you're, you know, sitting here at 1-5, you know, feeling like woulda, coulda, shoulda for the second straight year against Utah State. And there's just something about this series that's... It, it, I mean, going back to the first time they played in 2011, the double overtime game, and then, you know, 2013, 13-0, 2014, the tight one where the students stormed the field afterwards, one of my favorite memories of all time. There have just been so 
so many weird or really competitive games in this series, and this was another one, but unfortunately, come out on the wrong side. Uh, the Rams have now lost four straight overall. I, you know, I know some people tweeted at me that Utah State, you know, forfeited in 2020 for not playing, but not in the uh, the official record books, at least. This is now Utah State's second longest winning streak ever against the Rams. Five is their longest, so uh, the Rams will have to try and snap that in Logan next year, or the Aggies are going to tie it. All right, let's let's try and bring the vibes up a little bit here. Some positives defensively, obviously, another really standout game for this unit. You really have to be impressed by what Freddie Banks has been able to do, especially given the fact that you know you've lost you know multiple starters from the beginning of the season. A lot of a lot of movement within the lineup, and they've just kept on rolling. You know, I talked about when there's in those first couple of weeks, I felt like the defense was flashing, but it was really difficult because they were constantly, you know, playing the entire game, defending short fields, all of that. Rams have done a little bit better job of playing complementary football, but also these last two weeks, I mean, they have just been really disruptive. I mean, creating turnovers, you know, solid tackling, getting after the quarterback. Mo Kamara, oh my God, didn't have any sacks in this one, but he had four QB hits and he smoked a couple of them, had a strip as well, didn't come up with the recovery. I think that was Baratow, but just another really, really solid game from him on Yechi as well. Jack Howell, I mean, what more can we say about this guy? He just continues to be everywhere for this defense. 16 total tackles tonight. Also had a, a tackle for loss. I mean, he and Henry Blackburn are just so impressive and What's cool is, you know, it's obviously a homegrown duo back there leading the secondary, but they just bring a, an attitude to that defense. They both fly around all over the field. They seem to play well together. And in the secondary, you know, we're seeing some of these other guys step up. Hector is playing really solid at nickel. Angel King has done well since going over to corner. He'll still, you know, occasionally play safety or nickel as well. You know, I, I think Chigozi and Nuziam has been solid as the number one corner. A little bit of a tough moment uh, tonight for um, for Greg Leday on that pass interference, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty questionable. I don't really know what else he was supposed to do. He did get his head around. They really do have a lot of intriguing talent in that secondary to go along with. You know what's proving to be a solid front seven. I still think, as far as depth goes, you know they're a little bit short at, at linebacker, but you know we've seen Cameron Carter and DeQuan Jackson playing really well, and then you can. You know, get Chase Wilson and Drew Kulik in relief. That's a nice little rotation. I feel like Daquan played his best game in this one. Ten total tackles. He had a forced fumble as well. Five of those solos. So, I mean, he's he's doing his thing. Baratow in the interior, who's just been eating up double teams all game and allowing some of those guys on the edge to break free and allowing some of those linebackers to come up and make tackles in the run game. He got a big sack when they needed it on third down in the second half to get the offense, the ball back. I mean, time after time, excuse me, hit my mic there. This uh, this defense gives the offense an opportunity to win, and that's all you can ask for. I mean, if they can get anything out of the the passing offense and, you know, finally break free, you know, finally start scoring, you know, 20-plus points a game, if the defense keeps playing like this, you're going to win a couple games here at the end. Again, you know, are you going to go 5-1 and one and make a bowl game? Probably not. Probably not, especially since you have trips to Boise and San Jose 
and Air Force still. All really challenging. The border war is always going to be a fight. New Mexico, their offense is, is a struggle as well, but defensively, they're as good as anyone in the league. But when I look at the schedule, it's not like I feel like there's, you know, a Fresno State offense with Carr and, and Adams or, you know, like 2011 through 13 Boise, you know, back in the day. There's some, there's some really solid teams, but, I mean, this defense is, is good enough to hang with any of them. And so if you can just get anything going offensively, you should have a shot. You know, you should be in every game for the rest of the year. Again, not saying they're going to win them all, but it, it shouldn't be like non-conference play when, you know, you're just getting waxed consistently and down, you know, 20 plus 30 points at times. All right, let's let's move on. I think that, you know, pretty much sums up what I want to say on this game. Again, you know, it was it was right there for the taking. and. If CSU does, you know, somehow get hot at the end of the year and, you know, they win four or five games or something and come up short of, of reaching a bowl, it's, you know, one of those one of those you can point to and be like, ah, that's, you know, that's the one that got away. But that's football, man. It's, it's been a really weird year in the Mountain West, and that's what I'm going to wrap up with. Real quick, want to shout out the homies over at Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Have you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, maybe? Courtside, behind home plate? Floor seats, at a concert, you name it, it's all possible with GameTime. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the GameTime app. Find the seats you never thought you could buy. Guys, I'm telling you, you're not going to find a better deal this season on Rams tickets. I saw some homecoming tickets available on there for like 22 bucks. It's created by the fans, for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DNVR, you're going to love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app. Score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, all right, all right. Like I said, a wonky week, wonky week for the Mountain West. CSU Utah State, the first game of the night. So it was a really late night slate for everybody involved. New Mexico loses 21 to 9 on the road at New Mexico State. That's a tough one. New Mexico State is not good at all. You cut the Lobos a little slack in the context of a rivalry game. Just weird stuff can happen in a rivalry game in college football. We all know it. We've all seen it. We've all experienced it. But, man, that's that's one where if you're the Lobos, you're now sitting at 2-5 and five instead of 3-4. and four. Again, you know, going back to the idea of, you know, flirting with bowl eligibility. If you're the Lobos and you're sitting at, you know, like four or five wins at the end of the year, you know, that's when you look back at like, damn, I can't believe that one got away from us, especially after they'd been on kind of a nice little run. So uh, disappointing that the Lobos have uh, really struggled, you know, offensively, but we'll see how they're able to finish out the season here. I do think they have a ton of talent and they play really hard on defense. Air Force, I I, I just don't understand them. I, I don't get it. They they look awesome at times then they lose games that they just shouldn't like Utah state and Wyoming. And, and now they go to UNLV and they beat them 42 to seven. And I know that Brumfield got injured, the UNLV quarterback, but the fact that they were able to completely contain that rebels offense, hold them to seven points in their own building is very, very impressive. I mean, that's kind of an air force's problem. You know, they've, been really good offensively, but not that good defensively this year. And 
now they hold one of the best offenses in the in the conference to seven points and beat them by 35. Air Force is just such a weird team. I still think top to bottom, they're the best team in the conference. Although, yeah, Boise State with the talent they have on defense, Green, you know, he's a dynamic athlete at quarterback. You can maybe make an argument that they're playing the best, but raw talent offensively, I still think there are a lot of teams, San Jose State, Fresno State, that have, you know, better skill guys than Boise State does. Anyways, the other two late night games were really weird. I don't know if you stayed up and watched any of them, but Fresno State was able to rally at home and beat San Jose State 17-10 after getting their ass kicked by Boise State. It's just been such a weird year in terms of results from week to week. Fresno State sitting at 2-4. and four. You know, once they get Hainer back, I could see them getting hot and, and you know, still... You know, you know, maybe winning seven games or something like that. We'll see what happens. They've definitely been a big letdown. Uh, this this is one that's going to hurt if you're San Jose State. You're still in the driver's seat at two and one though in the West. And then finally, Nevada after losing an emotional game against CSU in a, in a tough spot. Admittedly, I'm not throwing shade. Going to the island for a road game after losing a game that you had so much invested in like CSU. That's that's a horrible spot to be in. And they fall to uh, Timmy Chang. Timmy Chang gets his first Mountain West win over Nevada. Uh, Hawaii now 2-5, and 1-1 one and one overall. Nevada 2-5 and five as well. 0-3 in the Mountain West. If CSU can beat Hawaii next week, I guess they would have an argument as the, uh, the best of the worst in the conference this year. So not, not the best spot to be in, but... <laughs> So we're at, we'll have to see what happens in the New Mexico game as well. All right, we're definitely a little bit on the shorter side today, but I'll be back tomorrow and we'll have a couple more pods leading up to that Hawaii game on Saturday. State Pride Week, an opportunity for the Rams to get back in the win column. I mean, at this point, you know, the focus is, you know, on the future, but it would just be nice, especially for the veterans that have stuck around, the guys that have remained committed, you know, the Dequan Jacksons, Cameron Carters, Ajon Vivens of the world. You know, I would love to see these guys get to go out with as, as many wins as, as possible. And, you know, defensively, CSU is the second best scoring defense in the Mountain West right now. One of their goals is, you know, to win the conference. So, or to be the, the best in the conference in scoring defense, excuse me. But the Border War, Air Force, you know, the winning streak against New Mexico, there's there's still things to play for this year. And there's still a lot of encouraging young pieces, you know, to build around that, you know, hopefully we can we can see more good of. You know, it was nice to see Makai Fox out there, you know, Lewis Brown having a great game. It'd be nice to see Justice Ross Simmons get back in the mix. Should have had a touchdown tonight. But there's just there's a lot to to look forward to. It's not like these games don't matter, I guess. And, you know, there's still hope for the future here. And that's the big thing. I do think this staff is doing the right things. I'm excited to see what they can do with all these open scholarships and, you know, the type of talent they can bring and an add to this core, you know, going into next year. You still need a core when you can't turn over the entire roster year after year after year, though there will certainly be a lot more of it in this transfer era. But there's just there's stuff to look forward to, I guess, is, is the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, I was... Definitely dejected leaving the stadium, as I'm sure a lot of you guys were. Just that walk, you know, back to the parking garage, thinking to myself, like, here we go again. I get to do the woulda, coulda, shoulda pod. And, you know, hopefully it turns around soon. I mean, how many times have we had to do this? But 
that's that's just how it works, man. Like I, I genuinely do feel like they're playing hard. I, you know, they've been in these games. The results I do think will turn eventually, but you know, like we saw with early McElwain or early Sunny. I mean, it just it's never perfect right off the bat. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, much love to all of you. Thank you to everybody that continues to support my content. Peace. Scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice The water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCRV He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly Like not for me